Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uctana, and today we'll be looking at how seeing energy is a bit like watching a movie. There are various genres, and what they have to say varies even within that genre, so it's helpful to be able to recognize which one you're seeing and learn some of the more common tropes. English can be a very imprecise language at times. When people talk about seeing energy, one of the first things a listener has to determine is what do they mean by see? Are they seeing something in the physical, using the term as a metaphor, or do they mean something else entirely? Some expressions of energy can be seen by the physical eye, like a heat mirage or a ghost image in a photograph. The electromagnetic field around any object can be physically seen if we focus on it. People notice it most starkly after having fasted for more than 24 hours or spending days in silent meditation practices away from social interaction. It can appear as an aura or a light halo surrounding and extending beyond everything. Beautiful and interconnective while we're in this peaceful state, but harsh and impactful when we re-enter our daily round. This is one reason why we don't normally see it. It's not that we can't on a daily basis, but most of us aren't able to function daily with this much awareness in an overstimulating life full of so much everything. But if you're going to make a guess at which type of seeing a person is referring to, your best bet is something other than physical sight. Most people, when discussing seeing energy, are talking about seeing with their mind's eye. We're visual beings, so our primary means of making sense of the world around us and ourselves is visual. As a side note, this is the major reason we don't have smell-o-vision and our nightmares are not filled with skunks and Limburger cheese. When we're confronted with information to process, we automatically translate it into visual images and symbols in our head. It's a bit like what computers do for us. They take computer languages of all types and translate them into visual interfaces. Rather than type in a command in DOS, we double-click an icon. We press an app button on our phone, which connects us in real time to a service provider, a game, or a best friend. Seeing energy works in a similar fashion. As energy is information, when we connect with it, we translate what is imparted to us into visual imagery, which gives us a way to understand the meaning it contains. This is why someone can have their eyes closed, be running their fingers lightly over the client or hovering them just above, and describe in detail an event which happened to the client days or even years before. With their hand or hands in the client's energy, which is an information field, they're receiving raw data which is being translated into images, impressions, and symbols. So what does it mean when you see energy around, on, or emanating from someone or something? Well, it depends on what you're actually seeing. Every single thing in existence is manifested and manifesting via Akashic energy. The process of transforming something which is formless, not only into a physical form, but a specific form which is animated with the suchness of a non-corporeal being, is complicated, and maintaining this state is just as much, if not more so. There are lots of moving parts, some of which can be seen in action. Luckily, each energy field and its functions are fairly distinctive, so it's easy to recognize them. Here's a really quick primer on some of the most common perceptible human energies, starting with the electromagnetic field. This can both be seen and felt relatively easily. It's the sensory net we extend out from ourselves. 
the first boundary between what is me and what is other. It extends from our body six to eight inches on average and is interactive with everything around us. It's what alerts us when someone is in our personal space, is what teachers of all stripes use for awareness exercises such as holding palms close to each other but not touching, and what we extend towards others when we want them to know we're here for them even when we can't overtly show it in a social situation. This is the field people see as a golden halo around others or objects when they fully open their awareness. It's charged with the interconnectedness of each object with all other things and draws a map of how things interact, not only directly, but indirectly, to create the web of life. It's seen as golden and radiant both because it's expressing energy outwards, but also because it's a positive filter which is working to transmute any unnecessary or negative things before it impacts the physical being. This is somewhat like instantaneous recycling, where the unwanted energy is converted back into raw materials and released. This field is often charged with the top-level, random, mundane thoughts of the being who is emanating it. For those with energy sensitivity, this is where you can catch the drive-by thoughts of those near you. The single words or quick sentences which are completely out of context don't sound like anyone you know, and intrude out of nowhere come from this. These are rarely, if ever, messages which need to be acted on, but instead the ramblings of busy people who aren't aware their thoughts go beyond their own skulls. So then there are auras. The auric field is beautiful to watch. It's full of color and often movement as we interact with ourselves, each other, and our environment. It's the physical manifestation of our emotions and the Akashic energy our soul is encoding with wisdom in any given moment. Like the electromagnetic field, this energy can be seen both physically and translated into visual images in the mind's eye. Through Curlian photography or various apps, people can see images of auras in real time. This can be mesmerizing and yet confusing as we have become illiterate when it comes to emotions in general and our emotional interactions in particular. It's not uncommon for people to see an image of their aura, and instead of being a uniform color which matches their rational experience of their mood of the moment, they have varieties of colors throughout their body. Bubbles of energy can separate and float away, while the shape of our auric field expands and contracts in various areas seemingly without any synchronization. For those who want to work with or decode auras, it's important to recognize the mood or way we feel in any given moment is a relatively small and isolated part of how we are emotionally interconnected with ourselves and with the world around us. An understanding of the chakra system or how we're manifesting ourselves into being and the tree of life from Kabbalah, which shows how we're manifesting our path into the world, provide a basic map for us to understand the various colors, patterns, and energy shapes in play. For example, the colors around our third eye, where we process data to extract meaning and make action plans, will be significantly different from the energy around our left hand, where we receive the bounty from the world around us, or don't. The color shown will indicate how we're expressing in various areas, where we're excelling or ebullient, where we're depressed, withdrawn, or resigned, where we struggle or have fear, where we're avoidant or extending out, and so on. The vibrancy of the color tells us how active the process is in any given moment. One thing to note is this field is rarely speaking from an eternal point of view or indicating our true nature, but instead, as emotions do, 
is showing us a rich, intricate dance full of change in each moment. So then we get into a field which can be very confusing for people, which is manifested time. We rarely experience time as a field. Instead, we're taught to think of time as directional. The past is behind us, the future in front, and the now is each moment as we experience it as if we were measuring our life via the ticks on a measuring tape. However, as trauma and PTSD teach us, time isn't necessarily a ribbon which unspools smoothly. A moment in time can get stuck in our now and replay over and over like Groundhog's Day or disconnect from the chain, becoming disassociated from the rest of our reality. Time is fungible when working in conjunction with our emotions, so it can speed up when we're enjoying ourselves or engaged in something engrossing, or stretch out infinitely when we're needing something to end. Time is not only something we experience or conceptualize, it's one of the fundamental dimensions of embodiment. Like light is both a wave and a particle, so time is both flowing through us and a field anchoring us into embodied life. This can be seen visually as an electric blue field which hugs us like a second skin. Similar to our involuntary physical processes, the time field is not wildly reactive, but instead holds steady unless something disrupts or impacts it. The color is fairly radiant, slightly darker in recessed spots or near bones, and lighter as it extends away from us. It's unusual for people to see this energy field on embodied beings, although it does happen at times. Usually this is because the person has opened their perceptions too wide, and as they're attempting to focus in on what is pertinent for their work, they tune into this level of energy in passing. Where knowledge of this energy field is most interesting is when it's seen without any connection to an embodied being. Some people notice blue ovals, dancing blue balls of light, a shimmer of blue radiating off an object on one side, a handprint or other marked glowing blue for a moment, and other such anomalies. These are caused by non-corporeal beings interfacing with embodied life in real time. The most common of these is our guides. In order to be present for us, to help us manifest, hear messages, create synchronicities, and so on, they come as close as possible to the embodied state by interacting with linear time. This leaves what amounts to a time print or electric blue image which can be perceived. Other beings such as elementals, guardians of place, other people's guides, and those beings who work most closely in the embodied sphere emanate time in this way as well. For those who chance upon this frequency, it can be alarming to see how many beings are passing through a room or building at any given moment. The act of tuning in can also attract the attention of beings somewhat like waving your arms over your head in a crowd of people. Heads will turn. People will give inquiring looks, and some might turn to see what's needed or meant. This can be alarming at first, but it's relatively harmless if a bit socially awkward. Just tune out of the energy and everything will go back to what we perceive as normal. And then there's Akashic energy. The life force of our being, prana or chi, is Akasha flowing through us. This energy can be seen in the body, not visually, but through the mind's eye. It's easiest to think of it in the same way we think of blood. Akasha should be flowing in and through us from the top of our head and out our feet, while at the same time filling us from the feet to the top of our head, both at the same time. This flow also radiates out from our core like veins and arteries. If we're healthy and happy, then the color will be like liquid gold, and the main flow will seem a bit like a large river, deceptively slow because it's moving at such volumes. 
If things are off in our lives, the color might be brassy, pewter, or even black as it cleanses out what is being processed or no longer necessary. If we focus on what the Akasha is providing us or what we're doing to transform it as we manifest, then it will appear to be a variety of colors corresponding to where it is within us and what work it is doing. This is what we're perceiving as color in the individual chakras and energy fields. Akashic energy produces the field which healers most often read when they put their hands on a client and get impressions. The Akashic flow has memories, thoughts, messages from guides, soul-level wisdom, and so much more in it. Putting your hands on someone gives you direct access to this information, but not necessarily a map to understand what it is you're perceiving. And all of this becomes quite a bit more intricate when connected with healers and energy workers in a number of ways. Holding space for a client or patient means we adjust our energy to both shift our personal life out of the way for the moment and form our Akasha into a nurturing place tuned to their needs. This makes our energy both more present while at the same time making our individual self less so. For those who do energy work, the rate and amount of Akasha being drawn in and processed is increased significantly and channeled through various means other than the normal intake and outflow areas. The hands become dispensers, radiating and pouring programmed Akasha out to the patient or forming structures around them to support the healing process, all of which can look amazing if we're tuned in to perceive various energy fields. Knowing what the fields are, what they do, and how they present makes it possible to decode what a healer is doing each step along the way. Or, if you're a healer and aren't sure what it is you're doing or how you're doing it, you can tune into the visual and see for yourself. And that's all the time we have this week. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashagreeting.com. Thank you to my patron of honor this week, Jennifer Keen. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing on Patreon. You can join in patron-only classes and workshops, see all my other offerings, and get regular updates about what I'm working on at patreon.com slash Thanks. Bye.